We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. I'm not a cocky person. I'm just passionate. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, welcome in to another very special episode of the Music City Audible. I am Justin Graver, and I am joined, as always, by Justin Mello. Justin, how are you doing on this fine Thursday evening? I am doing well. It is Thursday evening, as you said, and as always, I'm excited to talk some Titans. Yeah, this is a great episode because towards the end, we're going to run Anthony Ferkser interview. It's actually audio that we recorded a couple weeks ago and we ran it earlier this week on broadwaysportsmedia.com in our Tape with a Titan series. This week we had Anthony Ferkser on, breaking down some of his biggest catches, his touchdowns against the Chiefs, touchdown in the playoffs against the New England Patriots, and some other big catches he had throughout the year. And at the end of that we had a little sit-down interview with him, and you can hear that audio at the end of this episode. Now, I will say, Anthony references a play from the Houston Texans game in Week 15 last year that if you're only listening to the audio, it's not the same experience. So go to broadwaysportsmedia.com, check out Tape with the Titan. If you don't have a pro all-access membership, use your seven-day free trial, activate that free trial, and watch the Tape with the Titan episode. And while you're there with your free trial activated, you might as well check out all the other great content we have, all of John Glennon's articles, all of the other film breakdowns that have already been done over the past month or so. Get over to broadwaysportsmedia.com, check out that all-access pass, check out Tape with the Titan, but if you can't do that today, you'll at least get the Anthony Ferkser audio at the end of this episode. But before we get into that, we have some news and updates from training camp we're going to catch up on, starting with some big NFL news. Travis Kelsey and George Kittle have signed huge new contracts, Kittle first. And really, this uh, this doesn't this isn't Titans news, except that the Titans also have a tight end who was drafted the same year as George Kittle, who is now entering the last year of his contract that there's been some speculation about a possible extension. So before I ask you about Johnny Smith, I want to just say the numbers that happened to, uh, last night and today. So it was late, late on, I guess you could call it early Thursday morning, Ian Rappaport tweeted that George Kittle and the Niners were closing in on a massive contract extension. Thursday morning later, we got the actual details. It's five years, 75 million, so $15 million per year, average annual value. And uh, just a few hours after those numbers, I don't even know if it was hours after those numbers were announced, we heard that Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs had also agreed on an extension or a, a renegotiation and extension that bumps up his average annual uh, average annual salary per year from 9.3 million up to 14.25 million and keeps him with the Chiefs uh, for another six years. So I think what the Chiefs are doing is insanely intelligent in terms of the way they're managing the cap. They're taking the gamble on the longevity of these players, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes and stuff, and signing them to these really long deals so that they can spread out the cap hits pretty far. Now, if these guys end up retiring or getting hurt or something you know, tragic or drastic happens before the end of their deals, like the Chiefs could be in for a lot of dead money towards the end of these contracts. But if the players, if that doesn't happen and the players keep playing at a high level, I mean, these contracts are gonna look like no-brainer bargains for the Chiefs in a few years. I think it's a really smart gamble to take and I think other GMs might start taking notice of this strategy. I don't know if that's something that John Robinson is going to try to do with the Titans. I think that a point that Zach Lyons made, our, our buddy at Broadway Sports Media and on F-Words Pod, my co-host on The Flex, has said that John Robinson doesn't follow the trends of other GMs. He does his own thing, and I do think that's kind of true. But after all that, I just talked for a lot of minutes straight, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Any thoughts on how do these extensions affect John O. Smith? Even if they don't, do you think this is a guy that's going to get extended before the season starts? I mean, first of all, you know, congratulations to George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and congratulations to the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs because those are two fantastic players, you know, the two best tight ends in the league, in my opinion. And uh, it's a no-brainer for both of those franchises to lock those guys up. When it comes to what the Chiefs are doing with their cap, um, it's definitely interesting. And while I do agree with Zach that John Robinson moves to the beat of his own drum, it is ultimately a copycat league. So it will be very interesting to see um, if Robinson, if you see a bit of a change in his philosophy and how he operates um, when it comes to the cap and extensions. It, it, you know, making another point on the Chiefs, I, you know, the name of the game is to win. And I think they see a dynasty 
right? <laughs> I think they see the potential to be a dynasty here, and rightfully so when you have Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position. So, yeah, they may end up in a world of hurt for, for all that they're doing right now cap-wise, but they may also end up winning four Super Bowls, right? And the name of the game is to win. So you'd sacrifice it, you know, 10 years from now if you get three Super Bowls in the next three, four years. So very interesting to see what happens. Uh, but I like the gamble for them. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, in terms of how this impacts John New, I'm kind of I'm split on this because John New is obviously not the player that Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, um, you know, what those guys do. He, he's not that kind of player um, production wise. Um, so I, I don't know how large of an impact it has on him because, because again, those, those guys are on a different, you know, uh, stratosphere than John New Smith is. But I do think obviously it is going to impact the number um, that these tight ends are, are commanding going forward. So it certainly could have an impact and you'd wonder if the Titans are going to regret uh, not getting this John New deal done before uh, before Kelsey and Kittle. Yeah, I don't know if you will regret it. I mean, I'm looking at the range of, so I wrote an article for broadwaysportsmedia.com kind of comparing John New Smith's production last season to the top 10 tight end salaries in the NFL, and he's really not in the same ballpark. I mean, he's closer to the Kyle Rudolphs, Jimmy Grahams, who were the two lowest producers of that top 10, and they're not the two lowest salaried guys in that top 10, but they were the two lowest producers. Now, Darren Waller, now, Darren Waller had an amazing breakout year last year, 1,100 yards on 90 catches and three t- only three touchdowns, which is how many Johnny Smith scored on 35 catches, so just throwing that out there. But um, what's interesting to me is, like, Darren Waller signed that extension, right, for about, what, $7.5 million per year is his average annual value now. So I think that's a range you could look at for Johnny Smith. And I do think that, I mean, I don't think there's any regret in terms of, like, not getting this done before Kelsey and Kittle. It's not like Johnny was going to reset the market anyway. As you said, he's he's not in the same on the same level as these guys. But that doesn't mean he might not get to the same level. No, I don't know if the Titans have the passing volume and a lack of weapons on offense the way the Niners only have George Kittle to pass to and then a bunch of guys who are nice pieces, but they're not, you know, they're not going to be go-to guys the way Kittle is. Now, the Chiefs are a different story, but the Chiefs pass the ball way more than the Titans do. So that's how those guys get those those production numbers just looking at Johnny Smith's like advanced stats this is what I mean I've talked a lot about uh yards over catch yards after catch over expectation next gen stats statistic which he is second in the NFL in last year and AJ Brown was number one and then there's pro football focuses elusive rating which is this is honestly insane and I tweeted this out today but I'm just going to read this quote from a fantasy article that pro football focus put out John o. Smith did not only break tackles in 2019, he may have broken PFF's elusive rating scale. His 1,023.1 elusive rating is the highest that a tight end has ever earned and was the highest among all players in 2019. The highest a tight end has ever earned. He earned that grade by finishing third in missed tackles forced on, on total receptions with 14 missed tackles forced, and he was number one overall in missed tackles forced per reception among tight ends with at least 30 catches. So this guy is a is just a playmaking machine. I, we talked about this a little bit already, but you know, I think it's more sustainable to have a playmaker, a playmaking type of offense when your offense is based on breaking tackles because that is a legitimate skill versus it being based on a scheme or like, you know, like when we see schemes come and go in the NFL all the time that like once the defense once defenses adjust, the scheme stops working. But when you have players who can just beat the guy across from them and break tackles on a, at a consistent level, that skill doesn't just evaporate from year to year. So I'm really excited about John New Smith's breakout year. And so the regret to me could come if they don't get a deal done before the season because I think his price will skyrocket at the end of the season. Yeah, I agree on your part about schemes, especially. I mean, we've seen it with the L.A. Rams, right? They're probably the, the best example of that um, as of late. Um, I think seven and a half million, just because you you know you mentioned that number there. I think that would make a lot of sense for all parties. I think the Titans would be very happy to get John New into something, you know, semi long term, three four years if they can get him in at seven and a half million. I think that'd be a great deal for them. But I agree. I think if they wait till the end of the season, I think that would ultimately be a mistake. I think you want to get this done sooner rather than later. And he is a playmaking machine, you know, with, with all those statistics you were reading and his ability to break tackles. I mean, there there are some plays that just stick out in your mind, right? You saw it all year where he just made some unbelievable plays after after the catch. So, or even in the backfield, right? There was that I can't remember. What game that was now but he had that carry right where where he had that crazy carry out of the backfield so he's a special playmaker with the ball in his hands there's no doubt about it and I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, hopefully touch the ball more this season uh, than he has in years past 
But John o. Smith's not the only candidate to get an extension this offseason from the Titans. We're not going to spend a lot of time on Jayon Brown, but do you have a thought on Jayon Brown's chances of being extended? It's tough for me to say. I think ultimately they should extend him. I think they really like him. Um, but I do worry about a scenario where they don't. You know, I, I think of I, I think of the inside linebacker position A as being one that isn't, you know, super valued around the league. Certainly the Titans I, I don't think have, you know, overly valued it. Taking, you know, Jayon Brown was a day three pick. David Long was a day three pick. I'm not gonna say they don't value it at all because Rashawn Evans was a first round pick. But regardless, they've invested two day three picks in there and have gotten two, you know, what I think are gonna be very good players in Jayon Brown and David Long. So when I think of the long-term cap ramifications, we still don't know what, what impact COVID is gonna, you know, quite have on the salary cap. We know that Rashawn Evans is also going to be due for an extension in the near future. I don't think they can keep both of those guys, not at the cap numbers that they're both going to command, especially, again, when you're looking at a position that's not overly valued on defense. I think this plays a factor that a lot of people aren't considering is that John Robinson has now twice found some very intriguing talents at the linebacker position on day three. So when it comes to do I pay this inside linebacker, you know, $10 million, $14 million a year, when I feel very confident in my ability to evaluate these kind of players and get them late into the draft and get four really cheap years out of them, I worry about the possibility that they may not keep Jayon Brown past this season. I want to make it very clear that I am not advocating for them to do that. I don't think they should let Jayon Brown walk. I think he's a really special player on this defense. But I would be very shocked if they were to pay both Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans over these next couple of years. And with Jayon Brown being first up for an expiring contract, I mean, they can let him go after this year and still get at least – an, uh, another two cheap seasons out of David Long. I think that might be pretty tempting for, for a team that, again, you know, I don't think is going to be leading the league in cap space by any, by any means necessary, right, and have some other contracts um, that are going to be coming up, right, Daquan Jones potentially. I know it's a little early to talk A.J. Brown contract, but yeah, I think that that's a road they're going to have to cross within the next two, three years um, as well. And Adoree Jackson is another one, so – it wouldn't totally shock me if they let Jayon Brown walk and replace him with David Long and then take another linebacker on day three in the 2021 draft. I, I, I hear where you're coming from, but I just have a totally different view of the way that these linebackers fit into their roles. To me, David Long is much more of a Rashawn Evans type of player. He's very downhill. He's very aggressive. He can rush in the in the passing game. He can be a pass rusher. He's not great in space. He doesn't look supernatural dropping into coverage i haven't really seen him match up man to man on anybody since i mean he hasn't had that really that opportunity in the few games that he's gotten run in so far jayon brown is a different type of player jayon brown is the guy that they put on running backs and say and tight ends lining up split out wide jayon brown drops deep into coverage is deep in that tampa two type of role and He's the type of guy, I mean, the first play of the season last year, he's diving into a passing lane and batting a ball into a Dory Jackson's hands, almost had an interception on the first play of the Browns game last year. So to me, I mean, like you said, Jayon's up first. I, th I think the opposite. I think Jayon Brown gets his contract and you continue to let Rashawn Evans develop and see what you have when his, his time comes. Because I don't think that, to be completely frank, I don't think Rashawn Evans has lived up to his billing as a first-round pick yet. I think he's shown improvement, and he has insane, trust me when I say, insane flashes of the ability to be a high-level linebacker in this league. You look at the series on the goal line against the Patriots in the playoff game where he made three stops in a row, but you also look at the Ravens game. I mean, Lamar Jackson really only ripped off two big runs in that game, and the Titans did a pretty good job containing him. Those two big runs came with Rashawn Evans as the spy and he kind of picked the wrong rush lane and overcommitted to one side and now Lamar Jackson is a super talented player and not everybody's gonna be able to bring down Lamar Jackson one-on-one -on -one in the open field and that's that's fair but I don't think Evans did a good enough job trying to contain and flow Jackson pushing him towards teammates and help to try to rally and make it make the tackle in that way so you see Lamar Jackson rip off huge runs Rashawn Evans fault. So, all that to say, I just think that J.M. Brown, I'm looking at Rash Avery Williams' contract right now, right? Avery Williamson. Avery, William Avery Williamson, excuse me. Avery Williamson's contract with the Jets. He signed for $7.5 million a year, three-year deal um, a couple of years ago, obviously, when the Titans let him walk. And I think 
that's kind of the range you're probably looking at for Jayon. That's the range we just talked about for Janu. That's not too much to me. I think that you you try to make it happen with Jayon Brown. And I mean, we could be looking at Janu and Jayon next offseason the way we looked at Tannehill and Henry this offseason. Not as like how important they are to the team per se, but just like the two big guys. Which one are they going to prioritize? Is anyone a potential franchise tag candidate? Like, so I'm just, I don't think that they are, by the way, but I don't think that. Jayon is a guy you just let walk because the di- David Long can play downhill in the run game, but I don't think he can make up what Jayon does in the pass game. I, I, and we're going we're gonna to move on from this topic shortly, but I just want to end with, on this with saying I, I agree and disagree with a couple of things you said. Um, first off, I'll, I'll start with the, with the bad news first. Right where I, where I disagree is I have no you know, reservations about Rashawn Evans. I do think he's lived up. Uh, to the billing. I have no issues with them. You spending that first round pick on him in terms of what they've gotten out of him. Um, I, I think he's lived up to the hype personally. I think he's a hell of a player. Um, with that said, I do understand, and this is the agree portion of this. I do understand where you're coming from and that you might see David Long as more of a direct replacement for Evans than you do Brown in terms of, you know, stylistically how they play the game. And, and I, I do agree. And it's nothing against Jayon Brown. The reason I'm saying it is I think timing is everything. My opinion would be the same if Rashawn Evans' contract was coming up first. If he was the one that was a free agent this summer, I would, or, or you know, this coming up next offseason, I would say the same thing. I could see them letting him walk and replacing him with David Long. But timing is everything. The fact that you can let one of those guys walk and still get another two cheap years out of David Long, I just think that may potentially play a role in the decision-making. Again, I think they should absolutely keep Jayon Brown. I think he's one of the most underrated, you know, linebackers in the league. Maybe one of the more underrated player defensive players in the league because he doesn't get the hype that he deserves. Phenomenal player, and he does play such a specialized role on this team. I just don't see a scenario where, you know, three, four years from now where they're paying both Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans. So with, with Brown being up first and Long still on a very cheap contract, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and like you said, we are definitely going to move on from this topic, but I just want to clarify one last point. I, I don't necessarily th- think Rashawn Evans hasn't lived up to the hype. I just think that, I mean, I don't. I guess I do think that, but I don't think that means he can't. Like, right. I think he has shown great improvement. You just improvement. think he's not there yet. Right, like he's shown improvement year over year, no question about it, and, and he got better, you know, as the year went on last year, but I did mention his big mistakes coming in the playoffs, you know. So that's why I said wait and see. If you lock up Jayon, you have the chance to wait and see with Evans to see if he keeps getting better. Because if he does take another step, then then he does reach that level where that's a guy you wanted to spend a first-round pick on. Anyway, we can move on from that topic. And on to some training camp press com- media appearance, press com- what do we call them, press conferences. They're not really press conferences. They're Zoom calls with Titans Media these days. But let's recap some of those. Um, you had an article out for uh, MusicCityMiracles.com recapping the Thursday press conferences. Is that correct? I did, yeah. I wrote a little something uh, recapping the Thursday uh, uh, Zoom call. Anything of note stand out right off the bat? Yeah, for me, I think, um, you know, I think the biggest topic that was covered I thought was interesting was uh, wide receivers coach Rob Moore um, and how he spoke on A, Khalif Raymond, uh, B, uh, Cameron Batson, and C, Richard Davis. Um, he was obviously very complimentary of all three. He mentioned Khalif, you know, took a big step forward last year, but has to continue to do so, has to continue to be versatile, and has to continue to make plays. Um, I think obviously Khalif, you know, um, a lot of his big plays came obviously downfield, right, as, as a threat running those go routes uh, or just really just running those, you know, deep ball routes. So I, I th- thought it was interesting that they obviously want to see a little more versatility potentially out of him. Uh, when it came to Cameron Batson, they talked about his speed which is a no-brainer. I think Cameron Batson's a very fast receiver. He's a guy that's kind of forgotten in camp right now, but I think people need to uh, you know, familiarize themselves with him. I just published a fantastic interview with him over at Broadway Sports Media, so if you haven't read that yet, I highly encourage you to do so because you know, he got very personal with me, and we spent a lot of time together, and I really appreciated um, his honesty. Um, throughout that interview. But, you know, this is a guy who made the rosters at UDFA in 2018, uh, missed all of 2019 due to an injury he suffered in camp, um, you know, going up to catch a, a Marcus Mariota ball. It was the last play of practice. It was late July um, and just landed awkwardly on his shoulder. Team ended up placing him on IR. He missed the whole year. But look, how many teams do you think would bring a receiver back in 2020 that made the rosters at UDFA in 2018 and missed all of 2019? 
the fact, you know, they had to, they had to re-sign him and they signed him to a one-year extension because I think they haven't given up on him and rightfully so. They want to see what he has because he has shown those flashes. So that's an interesting player to watch or, or, or read about this camp. I guess we won't be doing much watching, uh, but read about. And thirdly uh, is Rashard Davis, who, who you should know about if you listen to this pod. Shame on you if you don't because we did run a Rashard Davis interview just a couple of days ago, which, again, I thought was a terrific interview. Here's a guy who's picked up a lot of steam, right, joined the team week 10 last year, um, played a key role down the stretch on special teams, and was one of Mike Vrabel's three offseason award winners for the work he put in in the offseason. They've been very impressed with him. So to me, you know, the talk about these three players was the most intriguing to me of today's press conference because, look, we obviously know A.J. Brown, Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys are locked into the top three roles. Well, I would say Khalif Raymond, you know, more than likely opens up as the favorite to be the number four, just because he's proven the most, uh, obviously, out of these three guys. Um, Cameron Batson and Rashard Davis sure have an opportunity um, to make some noise. So I would say the A, the battle um, for the wide receiver number four was a very interesting topic um, at, at, at uh, this Thursday media call. And also how many of them can they keep? Can they keep all three of them? I don't know. You know, you might be able to roll with six receivers, especially because of their versatility. You know, Rashard can play inside and outside. He's a great return man on special teams. Khalif Raymond can play special teams as well. So it'll be very interesting to, to kind of follow the trend of, of these three players over these next few weeks. Yeah, I think that, that battle at the back end of the wide receiver um, position is one that isn't really talked about. As, you know, we, we all talk about right tackle and slot corner and – we don't talk about the, the back-end receiver position very much in backup and look, And look, one of those three guys, you know, you can almost guarantee it. It's got to be one of those three guys is going to be the wide receiver number four this season, yep. right? You'd have to assume that. Now, obviously, when today's, you know, NFL and the way offenses are playing and scoring points, you're starting – you basically got three receivers on the field a lot of the time, right? Three receivers is, you know, almost like – it's all it's like that's why the nickel corner is like your base formation, right? You're going to have three receivers on the field. And we know injuries, obviously, in football, knock on wood, but one of those guys is going to be one injury away from pretty much being a full-time player. Yeah, totally. And that's why I think, you know, you could see six receivers. Now, it would be interesting if the top three receivers, I mean, the top two receivers, really, are a pretty different mold than the other guys. So some of those UDFA receivers might stand a chance to make the roster. Just, I mean, who's the one kid that's like 6'3 or something? Like, you might have a chance just because you're a different body type, different yeah, type of you, receiver. That's true. That's one thing I thought of. These three guys are obviously all very similar. So how willing will they be to keep all three will be interesting. You also got a big body in Cody Hollister, who right. has been around this team for, for a little while now, right? I think spent most of last year on the practice squad. So they've also kept him around, and he's a very big body. So I think that's a good point, right? If you're looking to keep somebody that could fill out, you know, fill in an outside role, uh, God forbid an injury happens to a Corey Davis or an A.J. Brown, Cody Hollister is more the body type that you'd want to roll with. And who knows, maybe the team looks to bring in a veteran to be that wide receiver four, sure. you know, replace Tajay Sharp's role, somebody that hasn't been signed yet. I, I'm not going to say Des Bryant because that would be crazy. <laughs> no, that would be totally crazy. Um, I don't even know, honestly, what receiver they would look to bring in, but you never know. I mean, with John Robinson, he's brought in guys in August before, so... You, you do got a know. couple of good UDFAs on this roster, right, that I have highlighted uh, in the past. Christian Wilkerson, uh, Mason Kinsey, and Kyle Williams. So it'll be very interesting to see if any of those guys can make any noise as well. Yeah, let's move on and talk about something else we got out of some press conferences, which is that it seems like, this came earlier in the week from Mike Vrabel, but it seems like special teams coordinator Craig Aukerman, am I saying that right? Aukerman? Craig Aukerman is going to be sort of Mike Vrabel's not understudy but like I guess like assistant head coach sort of when Mike Vrabel has to go be uh partly the defensive coordinator and somebody else needs to run meetings well here's what happened Mike Vrabel took his son Carter to college um this past over this a couple days ago and while he was gone somebody had to run the meetings and stuff and that person was Craig Ackerman so it's a good practice for the Titans to be prepared in case Mike Vrabel comes down with coronavirus and has to be out of the building for 10 to 14 days or whatever and can't even be in contact with the team uh, physically. That would be a pretty big deal to have, you know, to have some somebody who knows how to do whatever they have to do to, to fill that head coach role. It looks like the Titans have their guy and they've given him a, at least a little bit of practice doing it. 
Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Uh, it, it is of note, right? I don't know if people might roll their eyes, but it's certainly of note, right? All teams are going to be have to have to be prepared this year um, to have a plan B, to have a plan B if uh, the head coach um, has to be outside well, of the building for a while. Doug so. Peterson does not need a plan B because he's already had it and he's back with the Eagles. So he <laughs> Sean should be... Payton as well, right? Sean Payton right. Going to come down with it and once. Anthony Lynn, as we learned on Hard Knocks, those yes. guys should be immune. For... That's crazy, though. That's a lot of coaches. I mean, there's only 32 head coaches. We've already got three of them. Now we know of, yeah, at least. But, um, but yeah, it's Craig Ackerman, interesting choice. Obviously been around a long time. I'll be honest with you. If, I, if you would have asked me, who do you think would step into that role. I would not have guessed Craig Ackerman. He probably would have been way down the list. But I guess it's also, you know, you know, you would certainly think Arthur Smith, but Arthur Smith's going to be very busy with the offense. You would think maybe Shane Bowen, but Shane Bowen's going to be very busy with the defense. Uh, I actually is. would, would my my first two guesses would have been Todd Downing, the tight ends coach, sure. who I believe has interim head coach experience. I might be making that up. And or Jim Hazlitt, who I know has head coaching experience. Uh, yes, I was going to say Jim Hazlitt. I, I'm partially surprised that Hazlitt um, wasn't the guy to do it because obviously he's certainly the most veteran member of this of this coaching staff. Now, with that said, he is also he's very the newest new this team. Yeah, <laughs> so I would assume that's potentially why. Um, it wasn't Hazlitt, whereas Coach Ackerman has been around for quite a while. Hazlitt, again, certainly has the most experience, but certainly an interesting choice in Coach Ackerman. But look, um, at the risk of sounding like a, like a Homer, uh, Homer fan, um, you know, uh, if Mike Rabel trusts Craig Ackerman, then we should trust Craig Ackerman. Todd Downing has offensive coordinator experience right, for with one the Raiders. year. With one year at the Raiders, he does not That's have right. experience. He's actually only forty years years old. He's a pretty young guy. But He's again, been a if Mike, coach if, quite a bit. Yeah, again, if Mike Rabel trusts uh, Coach Ackerman, then we should trust Coach Ackerman. Agreed. Um, another thing I got out of earlier in the week press conference is they asked a lot of guys about Vic Beasley, understandably, and that's something we didn't even touch on as in our news drop earlier. I think maybe Titans fans might be getting sick of Vic Beasley, but Vic Beasley placed on the non-football injury list, which is part of the active roster, so he was activated when he showed up to camp. He was uh, removed from the did-not-report list. He's now on the NFI list, which is for players who are what they can sort of practice with the team but they can't actually do any practice they have to do they have to pass a physical before they're allowed to practice so they can be in the building get treatment whatever treatment means for their particular injury nfi nfi means non-football injury so he has to have some sort of designated injury now what's been unclear about all this is is that injury just mean he's out of shape and he just has to do some conditioning and once he passes the conditioning test i mean every team's physical they're allowed to have their own criteria there's no set criteria for a team physical so who knows what's really going on behind the scenes this could be kind of like a subtle way of punishing a guy for not communicating with the team for a period of time um which we now sort of understand to be the case uh that he didn't communicate with the team and so i'm i'm interested in i was interested in hearing the players thoughts and I love what the players said because they all got asked, what do you think of Vic Beasley? Have you ever had a teammate, a similar situation, whatever the question is? And all the guys that were asked about it, Kenny Vaccaro, Daquan Jones, they all had similar answers like, you know, that's that's a guy who's taking care of his thing. And when he's here, we're going to treat him like I know the Titans are going to treat him. I think Roger Saffold said this. The Titans are going to treat um, him with love. And we're going to show him love and we're going to help him get through whatever he was going through. And, you know, as long as... John is good with him and Mike's good with him, then we as a team will be good with him. And we're not about, we're not a locker room that's going to like throw shade at the new guy. We're going to help lift everyone up and help everyone come up, get up to speed on what we're doing on, with, on both sides of the ball. And I just love the response of this Titans locker room to a guy who didn't show, who, uh, like, I want to say abandoned, but, you know, left his teammates to drive for 10 days with no contact. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and, and I, I wouldn't expect the players to answer any other way. I know. Of Adam course, Humphreys, of course. But they yeah. they elaborated, and it was like it felt genuine to me, which is why I wanted and, to. Play. And I know Adam Humphreys was asked as well, and it was cool because Adam Humphreys was a teammate of his at the University of. Clemson. That's right. He talked about Humphreys is pretty familiar with him and said that said that Beasley was a great teammate at Clemson and doesn't expect any less. Um, obviously, this news has been, has been crazy, right? I mean, Paul Koharski was reporting that he failed the physical. Um, I, I don't believe the team has confirmed that. At this time, but Paul Kuharski um, was reporting that the, one of the reasons that Beasley landed on the NFI list is because he failed the physical. Um, that would certainly be, be interesting. I think why he failed that physical would be very interesting to get to the bottom of. Um, we probably never will get to the bottom of that. Um, but 
I mean, the whole thing is obviously it's been very disappointing, right? I think Mike Herndon, um, you know, of Broadway Sports Media and the F Words Pod said it uh, on Twitter, and it's it, and he said it in an article that he wrote is, you know, Vic Beasley came here, he needed a fresh start, and it's almost like he already needs another fresh start, and and not to say that that has to happen elsewhere. Obviously, that's not going to happen. He is going to be a Tennessee Titan this year, unless he royally screws up over these next few weeks. He's going to be a Titan this year because they've already paid him the majority of his of the money that they yeah, owe. Can him. we stop with the just cut bait on Vic Beasley or that's whatever not that? Yeah. It is the they've not only is it him. not going to happen, it's yeah, a they, terrible point of view to have. Like, yeah, they paid him six million dollars. And you need a you need like we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know what explanations he's given. Who's good with him and who's not? Like to say outright the Titans should cut Vic Beasley and just move on and cut their lock, whatever. Like that's honestly no, they, they've paid him too. They paid him too much money already anyway. Right? They paid and him who knows like this? And how stupid him. is that going to look? If he, him. What if he comes out and has eight to ten sacks this year? How dumb is that? Yeah, gonna you. Look? S- you signed him because you needed him, right? You signed him for a reason. You gave him a big one-year deal because you needed him. Um, yeah, I don't like that. I, I, I think, <laughs> I think they've been pretty, pretty patient with him. Obviously, again, who knows what's happened behind the scenes, but he's here. Hopefully, he's healthy. Again, it'll be interesting to see how long he remains on this NFI list and if we get any more news on the failed physical. But um, you I know, don't hate, sorry. I don't hate Mike's theory that he. Uh, somehow injured himself doing something in the offseason like, I don't know surfing or who the heck knows what and came late to practice or to training camp without communicating because he was trying to hide this injury and he finally showed up hoping he could like pass a physical with this little injury he was trying to hide and, he, and they found it that's just a random speculative theory that Mike had but it, it would make sense to me if that if that was the case look uh, I'm not going to say too much but I, I did do some digging on this um, and from what I've heard, it was a bit of a surprise to many people that he failed a physical. Um, a lot of people were not expecting him to fail a physical. So um, I, I don't know the reasoning as to why he failed. Again, if that rumor is true, if or rumor, if Paul Kowarski's report is true um, that he failed a physical, um, I, I did hear from a pretty reliable source um, that it was a surprise that he failed a physical. It was a surprise to many people, if, if that's the case. But to me, it'll be more about how long does he remain on this NFI list um, and how much info do we get? I don't think we're going to get anything, truthfully. I mean, the Titans are pretty tight-lipped as is, and I think they're going to be extremely tight-lipped when it comes to this because let's be honest, we, 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 can, we can cuss on here, right? It's not much oh, of yeah. a cuss word, but he's already on the fans' shit list, right? I mean, the fans are already very fed up with him. Um, I can't expect that Mike Vrabel or John Robinson or anybody is going to say anything you know, in the public eye to, to shine an even worse light on him uh, than there already is. So obviously not showing up for 10 days is going to do that, uh, especially when you're a new addition that they paid, you know, a pretty hefty amount for on a one-year deal, right? Especially because you came here with a reputation that you're not the hardest worker and you're not uh, the most motivated player. Like Atlanta couldn't wait to move on from him, right? I'm not saying anything negative about the guy. I'm just saying we know what his reputation was. Atlanta put out a damn story saying they weren't going to re-sign him. I've never seen anything like that almost in my life, right? You just don't re-sign the guy. The Titans didn't put out a statement saying they weren't going to sign Logan Ryan, or that they weren't going to sign Marcus Mariota, right? Like In like stop. January from their Twitter account. Yes, it was like immediately totally insane. As soon as it was possible, they were like, we are not re-signing Vic Beasley. Here's yeah, proof. We're going to write about it. It's crazy. So anyway, um, I think enough about Vic Beasley, but... But on the topic of outside linebackers... Only up from here, hopefully, for Vic Beasley. (laughs) It would be hard to go any more downhill than this. It's possible, but it would be difficult. So hopefully it's only up for here for Vic Beasley. Yeah, I mean... Like you said, like not the best way to like make people think. Give a not the best way to change the impression that's already out there about you. But like I said, while we're on the outside linebacker topic, a popular outside linebacker the Titans actually gave up a sixth round pick for, and I don't know what I meant by popular, but a name that people know, Reggie Gilbert, released with an injury. Uh, I don't really know much detail behind why that move was made, except that it makes the Titans even thinner at outside linebacker. Right. So I spoke, I didn't even tell you this, but it's a podcast, so I can tell you now. Um, I spoke to Reggie Gilbert's uh, agent earlier this afternoon, um, and I was told that he's recovering from off-season surgery. So Gilbert, uh, he he had um, surgery in the off-season, and I guess he's obviously not 100%. So the Titans waived slash released him. 
um, and they're going to work together on potentially an injury settlement. So that's mm. that's what happened with Reggie Gilbert. Unfortunately, um, he's just not all the way back yet from off-season surgery, and I guess the timeline's just not lining up. Right, the season is fast approaching. And uh, if he hasn't recovered yet, then I guess that's, a, you know, a bit of a put the team in a bit of a difficult situation. But that is what happened to Reggie Gilbert. He's recovering from offseason surgery. I was able to confirm that directly through his agent. Um, so, you know, it's legitimate. Um, but I, I mean, it also is a um, it's an it opens up even more opportunity for two other outside linebackers. Uh, both year two guys, one of them being a draft pick, one being a UDFA. Of course, I'm talking about Derek Roberson and DeAndre Walker certainly their chances of making this team um i would say just you know increased i think roberson is is almost certain to be on this team um uh, you know he he's not derrick henry level of certain but you you would think that roberson will probably be on this team and deandre walker's chances just got better as well right without reggie gilbert in the picture i think those are three guys that would have been battling um, you know, head to head with each other um, for a not only a spot on this 53 man roster, but also for snaps, right? As, yeah. as a rotational outside linebacker. So um, Reggie Gilbert is gone, unfortunately, again, off season surgery. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what this does for uh, Roberson and Walker. Yeah, and excited to talk to Roberson on Saturday. If that doesn't fall through, that should be coming out in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, they did temporarily fill Jadeveon Clowney's position with uh, at outside linebacker with Wyatt Ray. So that's a name that Titans fans should know now because he is a Titan. Yes, and I, you know me, I'm a draft nerd. Wyatt Ray is a third-year um, outside linebacker out of the University of Boston College, which is interesting because that means he was teammates with Harold Landry. I remember spending many nights uh, scouting Harold Landry tape uh, and noticing Wyatt Ray on the opposite side. Those two guys were a very interesting tandem uh, at Boston College. I thought Wyatt Ray was a pretty decent sleeper coming out. Um, he had a big final year at Boston College. Again, you know, Harold Landry, of course, commanded a lot of that attention. But, you know, Ray finished his final year in college. I believe it was 20, uh, 2017 season, I guess, because he was part of the 2018 draft. Um, he finished that last year with nine sacks and 11 and a half tackles for loss. So it was a good year. He was one of my sleepers. But for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out for Ray at the NFL level. Um, you know, certainly not dogging the guy, but this is why I guess he's entering his third season. And the Titans are his fifth team. He did go undrafted, um, signed with the Cleveland Browns as a UDFA. He's also had stints with the Buffalo Bills, um, Houston Texans, and most recently the New York Jets. So Ray comes in here. He fills a temporary spot. You know, perhaps seeing a familiar face in Harold Landry will get him, um, you know, sort of in, in the right mode to attack this thing. And uh, as of now, I would say he, he's a body that they have in training camp, but you never know what could happen. So best of luck to Wyatt Ray, and hopefully he impresses. Uh, he's certainly getting a chance here. I know the Titans worked him out first uh, before they signed him. That was on Twitter. Um, that, that was kind of making its uh, circulation on Twitter. But they worked him out and they signed him. So they obviously, could, you know, at least semi liked what they saw. Um, in that workout, I guess a the most important thing would be that he's healthy because he, he has had some injury issues um, over the past couple of years was part of the reason he went undrafted because I thought on tape he was certainly talented enough to get drafted. But again, injury prevented that. So Wyatt Ray is a Tennessee Titan and, and he'll get a chance over these next couple of weeks, you would assume, uh, unless there's a, another move that's made with him. Uh, you never know, but he certainly has a chance, uh, you know, to show himself in camp. Yeah, and I would bet that Mike Vrabel, not only Harold Landry is a familiar face, I would bet Mike Vrabel is a familiar face. That's right. Familiar with Boston College. His son Tyler is a left tackle there. So I would think that Mike Vrabel probably knew Wyatt a little bit going back. And I made a little joke there. I said that he tempor they temporarily gave Jadavion Clowney's spot to Wyatt Ray. But I'm still tracking the Clowney thing. We'll see what happens I there. didn't even <laughs> catch that. You're, you're trying to speak that into existence. No no updates on Clowney, so we it's won't August miss any. August 13th, right? He's going to sign soon, right? This is We're recording this ah. on This is crazy. Soon is relative. I would I could see him not signing in the month of August. I mean, this is I'm sick and tired of this. We've heard I've already heard a couple rumors from two different Twitter who the heck knows what they know people who've said that they don't know Clowney, anything. They don't know anything, they but they don't know said, anything. But they have said Clowney may wait until after August to sign and if we just use last year as a basis, he held out of the Texans, I mean, from the Texans for a new contract until they traded him Labor Day weekend. So it's not impossible to think that he could come into a new team after Labor Day weekend, 
I mean, he picked up the defense in Seattle that was a brand new defense and had a pretty monster week one against the Bengals, actually. I'm, coming I'm in not, against... I'm not worried about him not being able to pick up the defense. I'm just sick and tired of, of the clowny watch and waiting for this news. I'm yeah. not... Look, we, me and you have been through this. You've sent me seven different Twitter accounts, all with 150 followers or less over the last couple of months that said Jadavian Clowney was signing here, he was signing there. Um, none of those people know anything, all right? I, I tried I to reach out. I'll tell you something. I, I tried to reach out to Clowney's agent, and, 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 I, and I did speak to him. And the reason I don't think an account with 200 people is going to know where Jadavian Clowney is going, his agent was incredibly tight-lipped. The only response I got was, I am not speaking on Jadavian Clowney's contract negotiations at this time. So I can't imagine that, you know, Joe Blow on Twitter with, you know, 200 followers, unless he's Jadavian Clowney's cousin or something. I don't think anybody really knows anything about Jadavian Clowney's negotiations right now. And that's not just because I couldn't get anything. I'm not saying I'm, I'm that status, but uh, you know, the agent is very, very tight lipped and I, I don't think anybody really knows anything. No, I do agree with that, but in my mind, I'm kind of thinking about him the way I'm thinking about Vic Beasley. You know, he's like part of the Titans, but he just can't practice with them until some shit happens. (laughs) You're going to set yourself up for disappointment there. (laughs) I hope you don't, because who knows, man. You're right. right. I I don't think he's going to sign in the month month of August, which is crazy. He's going to sign like four days before the season kicks off. And this, we've been talking about this for three months at least, probably. It feels like three months. Like, I imagine Mike and John having their, like, morning coffee meeting talking about with the team, and Mike's looking at John like, any word from JD yet? Like, when's this guy coming <laughs> in? And John's like, yeah, he's, he's just waiting. Like, he'll be here in a couple weeks, but he's just waiting still. I hope somebody asks Ravel at <laughs> the next press conference about Clowney again. So we can see him roll his eyes. <laughs> yeah, and that, w- that was at our very own John Glennon, I believe, Broadway Sports Media. <laughs> I'm not mad at it, though. It gave us a, a great moment. That'll be uh, – You'll see that clip uh, for years to come, but no I hope kidding. someone does it again. I'm going to try to get into the press conference just to ask one question about Jadavian Clowney. You should be like, either. Coach, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, Jadavian Clowney's a free agent still. Any any interest there? I think you coached him once upon a time. <laughs> just to see I, his response. Is, is there a connection? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, any last words? Any more updates you want to cover before we get to this Ferkser interview? No, I think that does it. Hopefully the people enjoy the Anthony Ferkser interview. Uh, we covered a lot of little uh, tidbits and notes here over these last couple of days. A lot of you know good info uh, from the media press conferences that have occurred via Zoom as of late. And I think this Ferkser interview was a good one. So I hope people enjoy it. I, I love me some Anthony Ferkser, man. Oh, yeah. And once again, if you missed it at the top, this is audio that we recorded from our films breakdown session with Anthony Ferkser, which you can go watch right now broadwaysportsmedia.com all you need is an all access pass or a 7 day free trial to the all access pass currently 9.99 a month but that 7 day free trial means you pay $0 today and you can go watch Anthony Ferkser break down some tape and when you're done you can watch Christian Fulton break down some tape and then you can watch David Long break down some tape and then you can watch Khalif Raymond break down some tape and then you can watch Isaiah Mack break down some... look we got lots of breakdowns we got more coming we got Roger Saffold coming next week so just stay tuned to that but go check out Anthony Ferkser. And look, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I'm going to pat ourselves on the back because the Tape with the Titan series is unbelievable. It is one of the most innovative, you know, coolest things I have seen anybody in Titans media do over the last several years. We are sitting down with Titans players. We are watching tape, and we are getting into the nitty-gritty. They are talking to us about schemes. They are talking to us about play calls. They are, you name it. They are talking the to us about it. How do you get open here? Everything. How do you beat this guy here? I mean, Skill set. I would, I, I would say our, our film session with Roger Saffold is the highlight of my time as a person who creates content about the yes. Titans. And so. I have done 500 and something interviews, and I think the Roger Saffold breakdown is the greatest thing I've ever done. So I'm really hoping that uh, people appreciate that one and enjoy it when that comes out uh, about a week from now. But like Justin, like Graver, Justin Graver said, I hate calling him Justin because my name's Justin, but like Justin Graver said, at least, you know, sign up for that free trial, check it out because the Tape with a Titan series to me is really cool. And we have a lot more episodes coming. It is not just Roger Saffold. So when you're done watching all the ones that, that Graver just mentioned, when you're done watching Christian Fulton, Anthony Ferkser, Khalif Raymond, uh, David Long, Isaiah Mack, 
Roger Saffold next week. We have several more of the – I don't even know if that's half of the ones that we filmed. So I'm not going to give you any more names. We should, we're we not have, going to? Okay. But we not, let's, No, let's make them wait. Let's make them wait. Right. They, they got to they gotta check it out. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Justin M underscore NFL. He's at Titans Film Room. Follow Broadway Sports Media at Broadway TN. Of course, stands for Tennessee, so that's at Broadway TN. Follow all of those accounts on Twitter. Make sure you're up to date with everything going on. John Glennon, Like Miracles, uh, F Words Pod, Coach's Corner, everything. Uh, second in Victory, the Flex, everything that we got going on on there. But definitely make sure you check out Tape with a Titan because it is the coolest shit you've ever seen as a Titan. No kidding. And without further ado, here's some audio from the latest Tape with a Titan featuring Titans tight end Anthony Ferkser. Yeah, I just got a couple of questions for you, Anthony. Uh, you know, we, we touched earlier on um, how efficient, you know, this offense was in the red zone last season. Um, offensive coordinator Arthur Smith was actually um, from, you know, what, we, what we've gathered, the installer of the red zone offense in 2018 uh, when Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator. And of course, Art was your position coach. Um, how do you think that translated to the red zone success we saw in 2019 as Art, uh, as Art became the offensive coordinator? Yeah, no, I think... Yeah, Art has a great background in that. Um, also, I think, yeah, my tight ends coach, Todd Downing, has a solid background in that. So, um, and I think all of that has to do with all the players, too, have kind of been in the same same system and we're able to kind of just, yeah, make minor adjustments and improvements in the little red zone stuff we had and just kind of work on just being more efficient and um, understanding the timing and understanding the defenses and um yeah Bramble does a great job as that um to the offense explaining kind of what the defensive role is in the red zone so that gives the offense kind of some pointers on what the defense is trying to do so we can kind of exploit them as well so I think yeah just a combination of the whole organization being able to kind of create the success that we have in the red zone. And no doubt about it, uh, paid off on the field. Uh, you know, 2020 will be the first time in a long time uh, that Delaney Walker is not a part of this tight end room. Uh, you know, and despite spending, you know, his last, the last two years as a tight end battling injury, um, you know, his presence in that position room is a big one, you know, whether he was on the field or not. Uh, you know, it's pretty much down to yourself, uh, you know, Jonu Smith and, and Michael as well. And the three of you are on, you know, similar playing ground when it comes to experience. Um, you know, how do you guys sort of take on the leadership role that Delaney left behind? Yeah, it's going to be yeah a lot different not having Delaney in that room. I mean, he was just such a yeah focal point of the Titans and of the tight ends especially and just was a great role model for all of us in there. But um, yeah, I think that's what leads to a lot of the success we've had in that room is just having guys like Delaney Walker and Arthur Smith and now Todd Downing come in there. Um, yeah, we just had great, model, great um, role models to see like how it's got to be done, what's the day in, day out look like, and just the – yeah, execution, uh, attention to details, and just, um, yeah, being able to kind of make plays. So, I mean, yeah, we've been with the – yeah, had the same similar room for a while. Um, so, yeah, I think we're excited to kind of see how we can keep progressing. Yeah, no doubt about it. We we always hear about how tight uh, tight of a group this is, right? It's extremely close locker room, and it kind of shows with how far you guys were able to take this thing last year. But if you had to pick one guy that you were going to war with tomorrow, who, who would you pick and why? Um, man, that's a tough one because, I mean, I, yeah, I almost want to pick the whole team. So it's going to be hard to narrow down to one guy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think I picked Janu. I mean, I think one th personal thing that I had was, yeah, I want to – the hardest plays that I had to deal with was that drop in the Houston game when I got hit interception. But I look back at that film and I see John who was sprinting down from in the opposite sideline in the end zone. And he's able to make the tackle and just kind of, I don't know, it's just someone that, yeah, he cares about the team more than himself and just kind of, um, yeah. And he'd kind of do anything for us. So yeah, he's one guy that kind of, I look up to as a guy that I'd want to go to battle with for sure and would trust him with anything. And outside of him being a great guy, I mean, John, who looks like the kind of guy I'd want to go to war with. I mean, you see that yard yeah. after catchability. It's, it's not a bad choice. Oh yeah. I would, yeah. I yeah. would hide he behind him. would be intimidating enough to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, when we hear, uh, you know, it's a tight knit group, that's great and all, but there's always going to be something that annoys you. So I'm curious if there's, who's one teammate that makes a terrible travel partner. 
a terrible travel partner. <laughs> I don't know. Probably just the old linemen, just because if you're ever rooming with them, you know, you know they're snoring or yeah, <laughs> being loud in the room as a roommate. So yeah, I think that would probably be the worst travel partner. <laughs> hey, you, you cut them a break. That's a lot of food to digest, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, Anthony, we've appreciated your time with this, man. Breaking down some great tape. You've been a great sport. Uh, you know, best of luck as you get ready. Congratulations on the new contract, by the way. Uh, of course, you know, back in Tennessee. And, uh, you know, good luck as you get ready to, to get back into the swing of things here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. It's yeah, awesome to be a part of this. And Yeah, Yeah, we really appreciate your time, Anthony. Thanks a lot. And uh, before we duck out, I just want to say the F-Words pod crew says hi. And we've been on their show a couple times. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, great guys too. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you guys thought that was good. I don't know. I did. <laughs> I did too. Anyway, we gave you the Twitter handles already. Subscribe to the podcast, please. Look, this is a real thing. Like the way the algorithms work, like we want to show up in like top podcast, top Titans podcast, top new, whatever the heck category we want to show up in. We need more subscriptions. And even if that means hitting subscribe and then the next day unsubscribing and then the next day resubscribing and just like doing that over and over again, like the more times that a subscription is registered for us, the more we can grow. So help us grow. If you don't mind, if and you look, don't mind. And look, <laughs> and Graver and Graver and I just aren't two Joe Blows, right? I mean, we've given you pretty much interviews on this podcast with a tight slayer pretty much every week since we've launched this thing, right? We had the Christian Fulton interview. Uh, we had the Isaiah Mack interview. We had the Khalif Raymond interview. We just hit you with Anthony Furtzer. And we have several more coming um, over these next couple of weeks, right? Kareem Moore is going to be on here. Dane Crookshank. Like, so many interviews are going to be on here with Titans players. Feels like every week we're going to hit you with a new Titans player interview. The Rashard Davis one was fantastic just a week ago. So hit subscribe, like Graver said. Maybe he's telling you hint, hint. We don't care if you unsubscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. If that's your jam, that's cool. That's cool. That's cooler than the other side of the pillow, as Stuart Scott used to say. Preston. Or I like what like what Big Boy from Outcast says, and I'm taking you way back. I believe it was so fresh, so clean, cooler than a polar bear's toenails. So whatever it is you want to do, if that's what you, if you want to unsubscribe, you want to subscribe, you will be cooler than a polar bear's toenails. Shout out to you. Outcast. You know all about polar bears, don't you? I, I'm Canadian. I, I pretty much live with a polar bear, so this is nothing to me. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all that I want to talk about. I'm good. I'm, I'm in rare form right now, apparently. I don't know what got into me, but I'm in rare form. So make sure you check out Tape with a Titan. I'm just going to leave it with that. A Broadway Sports Media Production.